Continuing on, we're in verse 12. So if we endure, we overcome the flesh, the world, and the devil to the end of our pilgrimage or our warfare. If we come to him and stay with him in this probation, then we'll receive the victor's crown, reigning and living with him forever. Okay. If we prove unfaithful, and notice what he says here, if we deny him, he also will deny us. If we prove unfaithful and go back to the world and the pleasures and sins of the world, then we deny him as our Lord. We're not obeying and following him. He will not accept us, and he will cut us off from the vine if we do that eventually. The Father will. Many and most in outward Christendom are false and do not know him. Probably two billion people. Uh, They say, Lord, Lord. They believe some Christian doctrine, and they mix it with a lot of other things, and they do as they please. They don't obey the gospel. See, many people believe the gospel. They don't obey the gospel. And it's only ones that obey the gospel going to make it into the kingdom, okay? Yet they believe mentally, and they call him Lord. And he'll say, I never knew you, most of them. Some renounce their faith in him. They compromise it, mix it with false teaching, heretics and false teachings of people they become. But many will deny him. This is those who are Christians and non-Christians, denominational church-going people. They believe they're Christians, but in their life and works, they don't obey him. But they believe the basic doctrines, but that ain't going to save them. The devils know who Jesus is. And they will say, Lord, Lord. And many of them, the Lord will say, I don't know you. Never knew you. But many of them, he knew. And there were branches cut off from the vine because they denied him in their life. They may not have verbally denied him, but they didn't give him the duty that he requires from them for fruit bearing. Okay? So, We see many deny him in works, it says. Before the world, they deny him. Before sinners, they're ashamed of the gospel. They compromise the gospel. They want to be loved by the world. They don't want to be considered a fanatic. I've heard many people tell me, well, I don't want to be a religious fanatic. I said, we won't make it into the kingdom. Because the word fanatic, it means fan. And if you're not a fan and you're not serious about the Lord, you'll not make it into the kingdom. You might as well, as Jesus told the lukewarm church, I would that you would be hot or cold. I don't like this in-between stuff. Because if you're in-between, I'm going to cast you out anyway. Because you make me sick to my stomach is what the translation means. You make me want to vomit you out. You were a part of me but some of you are not going to be a part of me anymore. Okay, look at Titus, a famous scripture that no one saved, always saved person likes to read often. (laughs) I think it's funny. Okay. Chapter 1, Titus, verse 16. They profess to know God. They profess to be Christians. But in works, this means fruitfulness, obedience, spiritual works, he's talking about. They deny him. 
being abominable and disobedient. See, they're claiming to be Christians and they don't obey him. Mm -hmm. And disqualified for every good work. Why? Because they're not Christians anymore. They can't serve the Lord, but their works they'll do in the human flesh. And many that the Lord will say, I never knew you. They'll say, but Lord, I did this. I prophesied. I cast out. I did all these wonderful ministries. And he'll say, I never knew you. You are workers of lawlessness. See, you had religion on your terms. You'd serve God as long as it pleased you, as long as it didn't cost you anything, as long as you didn't have to be persecuted or suffer for it, you were willing to do these things. And then they magnified, oh, I did this, God, and I did. It was all from the flesh. The Spirit wasn't in them doing the work. And so they get no credit for that because it's not spiritual. Because an evil tree cannot bring forth good fruit. And that's what they become. Disqualified, as we said recently or many times, Paul uses this word three or four times. And basically what it means is some people who believe that Christians, when they're lukewarm and carnal, they don't lose their salvation. God just sets them aside and doesn't use them. And they use the scripture. But the root word, if they study it, uh, what it means in the context is it means to be cast aside as useless. It doesn't mean you're carnal. It means you're useless and God has no use for you. You are not in his kingdom anymore, okay? No obedience, no fruitfulness, yet they say, Lord, Lord. And that, and that most of the professing Christians of the world. And for the thousandth time, if that's a proper word, go to Romans 6.16, and I've quoted it many times. I have quoted it earlier. Do you? He's talking about, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Well, that refutes a lot of Calvinism and licenses the sin doctrines, okay? You have many that believe this kind of garbage. He said, do you not know? It means, now know this. I want you to know this. That to whom you present yourselves, slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey. Whether sin to death or obedience to righteousness. He makes it very plain if a person has open eyes. If you don't obey righteousness, you're not Christ. You're a slave to Christ, or you're a slave to sin. And it's by your obedience that it proves what you are, not your belief. See, believing don't mean much anything. And remember Jesus, it's just the foundation, it's the beginning. And when Jesus talked about many parables, he asked the disciples, have you understood what I'm telling you? Have you heard all? And they said, yeah. He said, well, blessed are you if you do it. And then he tells them about building on the sand and the rock. And he's saying basically it's worthless. Your belief doesn't mean nothing if you don't have the spiritual works and obedience to prove it. And that's what most of the word believe means in the Gospel of John 58, 59 times. That word means you believe to obedience. It's just not talking about a mental assent. Like many people say, Lord, Lord, I'm a Christian. It means to believe unto obedience. If you believe, you follow him. 
And that's what the context means. In Hebrews, that links belief interchangeable with obedience. Said they did not believe, and a few words down it says, for they did not obey. He's making it plain. These words mean the same. If you believe in Christ, you have to obey him or you'll be rejected. Well, see, they stretch the word of God and separate verses to make their own doctrines. That's why they're heretic. Okay. And before we go on, I was just noticing that Titus is worth mentioning. It'll have some people go on and research it and see if it's so. And verse 213, it said, We will be looking. Well, the gospel, if they go talk about grace, it says grace of God brings salvation. It teaches us. What teaches us? Grace, the true grace, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. It means here that we should live seriously, righteously, and godly in the present age. Any grace that doesn't teach holiness is a false grace. It is no irresistible grace. It's not God saving in spite of you. He says, this is what true grace teaches. So if they teach anything else, they're liars and heretics. Okay? And then it says, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Most translations say great God and, but some of them debate that and the way they interpret it, it's supposed to be the great God, even our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Peter uses a similar word. He calls our Savior God, Jesus Christ himself. He separates that term where many times you always see God and Savior. He's making it plain that he believed that Jesus Christ was God. He's one with the Father. And of course, all of the gospel proclaims that, that he is the eternal God, the everlasting one, okay? So it's whom a person obeys proves who their master is. So no theology here. And so that's what John said. If you don't keep his commandments, you're not his. You're a liar, and the truth's not in you. And he said, if you obey him, then you're following him. So the three words we want to emphasize is you have to obey to stay saved. You have to obey to even come to him, the gospel. It says you have to obey the gospel. You trade masters and you say, the devil was my master and now Jesus is my master, which means he commands me to do certain things and I'm his slave, so I must obey. So obedience fruitfulness. If we do not bear fruit, that's part of obedience. And then spiritual work. That's what James is talking about. He says something opposite of the heretics. The heretics say we're saved by faith alone. There's no teaching in scripture. But there is teaching. And James makes it plain. He says a man is not saved by faith alone, but by works. He's justified and his word is as sound as the Apostle Paul. And Paul's in agreement with him. Paul's saying, if you don't obey righteousness, that grace ain't doing you no good. Both of them emphasize spiritual work, obedience, fruitfulness. They're interchangeable. Okay? And we see the consequences 
if they don't. So our Christian walk as a whole is faith in God and love out of a pure heart. So people can have faith, uh-huh. but if they don't love God and love those whom God has sent them to with a pure heart, if they're not holy, if they're not godly and practical righteousness, they got the false form of Christianity. If one does not practice godliness, practice being holy, and that means actions and doing things, spiritual works, if one doesn't do this, one has ceased to be a Christian if he was a Christian at one time. Or he has lost it, or he never had it. See, But it's going to prove all the judgments of God I've said over and over again, Old New Testament revelation, all the judgments are according to works. Not one time does it separate works. Many times it doesn't say belief or faith. It expects if a person believes and has faith that they'll obey and have spiritual works. And that's why James says, I can prove my Christian faith by my works. And he implied if you've got, and he did, it was rhetorical. He said, can faith alone uh, save a man? And it was rhetorical, no. He said, if you see your Christian brother a great need and you don't help him and you can, he said, uh, is that kind of faith going to save you? His implication is no. You have to prove what you believe by the way you live. And, well, that nullifies Almost 2 billion people, okay? So Christ will deny any false Christian, anyone that was once a Christian who's turned back on him and denied him in works. Uh He will deny before the Father, he said, and the holy angels. So many church-going people, so many, most of them, they wouldn't deny the Lord verbally but because they do not obey and follow him, they're denying him. Uh huh. It's a dynamic in actions. And so that's why most of them at the judgment of God will stand speechless. They will get the truth because the devil will not blind them then. Their flesh will not deceive them. At the true judgments of individuals and nations, the truth comes out and they won't be able to run from it or deny it. And some will be speechless. It means they thought they were Christians. They thought they were good enough. And they'll find out they're going to be cast into the lake of fire, that they were deceived and lied to, and they wanted to believe those things. And that's what deceives most people. The devil doesn't care if you believe he's the devil. His main weapon is deception. He deceives the world. Very few believed in the devil, and he don't care because they all going to be cut off and destroyed anyway. He's a great deceiver. Okay, verse 13. If we are faithless, so it means we don't stay with him and obey him, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Heretics twist the scripture. I've heard Calvinistic people do it. They imply, even though we're faithless, he'll remain faithful to us. There's no such teaching in this verse. See, they want to believe once saved, always saved. Even if I sin and do, I'm eternally secure because it's all in Christ and all grace. The scripture doesn't teach no such thing. Uh-huh. 
the lying heretics. So if we are faithless, we fail in faith to him and loyalty, he is still faithful to his own name and his character and what he's done. He will hold to his word. And he just told us our word previously, if you deny him, he will deny you. And fourth, they just skip that verse as if it was never there and say, oh, he'll remain faithful to you because once saved, always saved. You can see they deserve to be deceived, and they will be, and they are being, many of them. They think they have a license to sin, and they can live in the pleasures of this world and make it to heaven. They could be solely speechless and disappointment at the day of their judgment. Okay. So he's saying, if a person denies me before man, that's what Jesus said, their words and their lifestyle, if you're ashamed of the gospel of Christ, he said, I will deny you, I will disregard you, I will cast you aside as someone disqualified. That's the branch being cut off for not abiding in him and bearing fruit and spiritual works and not obeying him. He said the Father will cut him off, okay? And so he makes it very plain what he will do to those. But he is ever faithful, the vine, true to those who remained true to him. God keeps his covenants. It is man that breaks it. If anybody falls away and backslides, it initiates with them, not with God. The scripture they so misquote, nothing can separate us from the love of God. He's talking about the Christian that's in the spirit. But he says, sin can separate you from God anytime. If you proceed to go down that dark path, you'll be separated, and the Father will cut you off and separate you from the vine. And their end is to be cursed and burning. So he's given a real strong warning, but he's going to be faithful. He's faithful not to allow the Christian to be tempted above what he's able if, see, they don't like the if. They think that's a guarantee. If they don't walk in the flesh, if they don't play with sin, there's conditions to this. If you play with sin in the flesh, that scripture don't apply to you Uh because you're not met. So he was talking to the spirit person that's walking and not the lukewarm and carnal and backslidden person, then if that's true, nothing can separate you from God. That's the covenant he has with us. But the Father can separate you from Christ if you don't remain loyal to him. Remember the foolish virgins, which I speak of often, the five foolish ones, they were once alive to him. And the lamps They let them burn out. The lamps was the spirit of life. It was Christ in them. Uh Uh-huh. And they slept. The two things were sinful. They got lazy, and they were not serving the Lord. They slept, and then their walk with the Lord disappeared because they did not stay with him and walk with him. So sleeping, as Paul speaks of many times, he says, let's awake out of sleep, out of darkness. It means laziness and foolish, and they let their lamp go out. Christ departed from them. God's light of his spirit left them because they were lazy and became unprofitable servants. 
But they once served him and had their lamps lit, and they were busy about his matters. Uh huh. And but what does he say to the multitude of Christendom? He says, "I never knew you. They were never born again or saved. But these five foolish virgins were. So when they come knocking too late, he don't open the door. He speaks to them and says, "I do not know you." See, he did know them at one time, but I have no relationship with you anymore. You're not a part of me anymore. The Father's cut you off of the vine, so I do not know you. So that's a terrible and horrible thing, and it's talking about those who once truly knew the Lord and served him. Okay, They were cut off, for there was no more fruit-bearing. There was no more obedience and duty to God. They did not stay with the master and do their duty because he owns them. Uh-huh. So the spirit of the Lord, Jehovah it said in the old, departed from King Saul. He had the anointing and the spirit on him. Kings, priests, and prophets only. And when God called him and had him anointed by Samuel, he spoke under the anointing. And when God rejected him and he looked for the the witch to drum up Samuel, he told Samuel, he said, God doesn't speak to me no more by dreams or prophets or, or oracle. See, he was used to God doing that. But it said the spirit of Jehovah departed from him and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. When God left him, he had relationship with God. And finally, God, after testing him at least six times, God decided enough's enough. And he left him as he did to Solomon's temple a hundred years after it was built. The Shekinah glory departed from it because of the rebellion of the people. Uh And it said that an evil spirit from the Lord. God sends evil spirits to people. That's his right. He punished Israel by wicked nations. And when they were punished and repented, sometimes he turned on the wicked nation. He can use whatever he wants. He can use the devil when it suits him to test and to sift and to do things. So the devil he owns also. And he lets him work within a certain area. So the five foolish virgins, the Spirit of the Lord departed from them. Uh And they were back into the world system under the power of the world and the devil. 14, he's talking to Timothy. Remind the overseers, the teachers, your flock. Those you are in charge, I you know, put you over. He's going to be apostolic. And in the presence of God, he do it. Remind them that God's witnessing this. Not to wrangle or dispute about words, which are useless and leads to the ruin of the hearer. Timothy, you're to remind the overseers and the true body of Christ. And let God be a clear witness to this. And let them know it. Do not argue over words to the point that you misuse Scripture. Teach its true meaning. 
do not take scripture or verses out of context because then the truth is altered. Do not make doctrines that the Bible did not intend, like once saved, always saved, okay? He said they're worthless and foolish. And I'll say, well, I'll give you an example. The word carnal is used by Paul on several occasions, and it's used in a different context if you understand the meaning. The word carnal is used in one word by Paul to speak of the baby Christians who get caught up in things. Don't say gross sin. You don't find that there because they're spiritually ignorant and they've not matured. They do a lot in the natural, but it has no spiritual value. Only what's done in Christ and by Christ in us has spiritual value. So he calls them babes. They walk as men, it means, like the natural man. They're not spiritual. Uh So a novice uh, may mean well, but he should not be put in authority or ministry because he has no spiritual depth for this. Okay. And then the other way he uses it is, the carnal mind is against the law of God. To be carnal-minded, he says, is death. So he's not talking to the baby Christian. He's talking about those preceding, or whatever stage they are, in gross sin. And, you know, the many sins that Paul, they've gone back to stealing and lying and fornication. He's saying it's going to lead you to death. You're not So he's calling that the death sentence, he said. Spiritual death and a lost state. But to be spiritual-minded is life and peace with God. He's talking about eternal life coming. So the second carnal, he's using basically uh, to refer to gross sin and rebellion. The first is acting like a natural man and trying to serve God in spiritual things when you're not qualified and you don't understand things, but you go about busily. They're the ones that Paul said they will be saved as of by fire. Their works will be burned up, but they'll be saved because they were holy and they walked before the Lord, but they hadn't gravitated to maturity yet. They were still trying to learn, but they were doing a lot of things meaning well. But unless it's done by the Spirit in us, it has no spiritual value. But he did not imply anywhere in Scripture that a baby Christian can be a gross sinner. Babies, Christians are not adulterers and liars. They're not Christians. It means they've not repented. See, if you come out from among that, and that's why Paul names many sins. And he said, if you practice those, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. That covers anybody. So he's going to talk about how many times you thought you were saved or seen the Lord. If you're a practicing liar and you're in the habit of that, he says, you won't make it to heaven. Why? Because you're not a Christian. God knows who's his. We're going to see this. And most of Christendom does not represent what God sees. And most of Christendom will not make it. They're false Christians. Okay, But if someone says they are carnal, they're a baby Christian, and they glorify their sin, they're deceived. So even a baby Christian must be holy and keep his conscience pure before the Lord. And he can do that. But carnal and lukewarm 
will be cast aside. They will not make it into the kingdom. Okay. So again, don't let anybody tell you, well, I'm a carnal Christian and, and I'm having an affair, but I'm still a Christian. He's a liar and the truth is not in him. And most likely God will let him believe the lie and be damned because that's how he deals with false teachers and those who want to believe these various things. 15, we all know this scripture. We should. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, this is the cure for the former verse, being unskillful. Be skillful, serious, and approved by God. It means you've matured and you understand how Scripture is to be dealt with. A workman, we are workers together with him. Not foolish and ignorant of God's true Scripture. Many people just take Scripture and verses and build everything on it like it's the answer. They don't read the verses before and after. They just take that out and make doctrines out of it. That's wrongly handling the Word of God. So overseers and elder teachers must be in that state. Babes and novices are not mature in God's word to present it in ministry or properly. Uh And that takes us back to Hebrews. We'll spend a little time there quickly. Hebrews 5, 12 and 14. For by this time, he's talking about the Hebrews as a whole, you should be teachers. You should be spiritually mature is what he's saying. But you have need to be taught again the first principles of God's word. You have come to need milk and not solid food. You're not mature anymore, or you never were, but you're regressing. You should be a teacher now, an elder. At least one-on-one be able to spound, but you're not capable. You need to go back to the milk and find out what's wrong. Get your foundation laid. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. He is a babe. So that's what Paul was talking about. Your carnal and walk is men. Your babes. You've just come to the Lord and you have no business preaching the gospel or witnessing because you don't even know the gospel that well. It'll be explained to you and you'll understand what you got later. For everyone who partakes of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, okay? Means he shouldn't be teaching. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, are mature, are capable of teaching. All Christians should eventually be mature. Whether you have public ministry or not, you should be able to expound and give the gospel and answers about Scripture to anybody who asks if you study to show yourself approved, okay? And by reason, they use, their senses have been exercised to discern both good and evil. Only if you're mature can the Holy Spirit guide you and give you revelations and discernment. He don't give to babes. And then you can walk in the Spirit and be checked by the Lord and know what things to do and not to do at times. 
know who to speak a word to and who to refrain from. The Spirit helps and guides, and you're able to discern when people proclaim the gospel if it's false or not, or if they've added something to it. See, we should be able to do that. And if you mature, you can do that, okay? And so that's what he expects, but many don't reach that state. Uh huh. So even backsliders, whether they have public ministry or not, they can give the mental texts of Scripture, and they can teach mentally what they have learned. Uh-huh. I know people quote Scripture better than I can, and they can do a lot better that way with me, but they're not saved. They're not spiritual. They don't understand things. But they're brilliant, okay? They are brilliant. Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. the Spirit, only as you learn to discern good and evil by walking in the Spirit, He gives the Spirit of revelation. That's what Paul said. I pray you have the Spirit of revelation and understanding. He's asking that for the body of Christ. It doesn't come by just studying Scripture. The Scripture must be a part of you, and you can divide it properly. It's like a puzzle. And the sinner is not meant to understand it that well. People go around trying to give people Bibles and stuff that don't know. It don't help them. They can read it and it won't make sense to them. It's the spirit that opens a person's understanding. Uh-huh. So remember this. But they cannot be led by the spirit, the backslider. And the teacher that's backslidden and not serving. He's in sin and nobody else knows it, but God knows it. Oh, God will use the word to bless people. But it profits him nothing. And he'll be judged later for being false before the Lord. So the wicked Pharisee and scribe, they prided themselves in the law of Moses. Yet they could not see Jesus as the Christ. When the followers of John the Baptist, they could. And when he laid the foundation and got them to clean themselves up according to the law and repent, when Jesus came along, they recognized him. They were the ignorant, common, ordinary people. And the brilliant intellectual Pharisees and priests, they couldn't see because God didn't give it to them. He doesn't give spiritual gems to wicked people. He hides the truth from them. And Jesus said it, and people don't want to read that. He said, I thank you, Lord, of heaven and earth, for you've hid these things from the wise and brilliant. He was speaking of the Pharisees and scribes, but you've revealed them to the simple. So he said, God has chosen to hide it from them. And when Jesus ascended to heaven and 500 witnesses, it says chosen of God. There were no sinners there. He went out to prove anything. He said, I don't give signs to sinners. He said, see, it's the spirit that convicts and disturbs. And then when he did give signs, it was to the believing ones, not to the, because he gave a lot of signs to Israel and they would not allow them into the land, the promised land, and destroyed that whole generation. And they saw more signs and wonders than any humans had ever seen. So the scribes and Pharisees They could not see who Jesus is. And he said, search the scripture, for they speak of me. But see, their blind heart, because they were living in sin, 
and they hated him, and they didn't like the ordinary people. They thought they were cursed. They were very thought they were special. And then he later said, you'll die in your sins because you can't believe who I am. See? Why? Because the Father hid it from them because they would not repent. And John, when the multitudes came to them, when he preached, they were convicted of their sin and disturbed and got right and repented and got baptized. When the priests came, some of them wanted to be baptized because it was popular at that moment. And John said, go away, I won't baptize you. Go show some fruits of repentance. Go prove that you've changed. Repentance means change. He's saying, you ain't changed. You just want to impress people. So when Jesus comes along, immediately, the next day after he declared him to be the Son of God, the Lamb of God, six of his disciples went to Jesus. Six of his 12 came from John. They already knew. They could see. The Father revealed it to them because they fulfilled the qualifications of what were required of them. The Pharisees and Jews did not. They remained in their wickedness, and they died in their sins. But the ones that followed John had repented and got ready if they were wrong. And even Jesus said, I haven't come to call the righteous. They were righteous. People think they were no righteous. They were righteous according to the law. The six apostles that went to Jesus, disciples, they didn't have to get saved. They didn't have to fall down and repent. They were already right with God. And so he could give them further revelation. Cornelius the Gentile was right with God as a Gentile. And the angel said, your good works have come up before God. Now he's going to show you something. Uh-huh. He was already righteous according to God's standard as a Gentile. Okay. So we see what? The wicked shall never understand, but the way of the righteous shall be made plain. That's what the scripture says. God has not changed. Father, give us wisdom and understanding to rightly handle your word and not pervert the meanings of your scripture. In Jesus' name, amen.